This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Christian Book Blurb. This podcast interviews authors from all around the world um, about their books, their life, and their faith. And today I am joined by the author, Amy Scott Robinson. Hi, Amy. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on onto this particular podcast, it's coming out in November. Um, it's leading up to Advent. Advent starts in December, and I know you've written some great Advent books. And so I wanted to chat with you about that today. Um, But before we do that, I know some of my listeners, um, because we come from all sorts of different church backgrounds and different church traditions and that sort of thing. um, Could you just explain a little bit about what Advent is, um, especially for for those of us who aren't quite sure? Yes, sure. So Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. So um, you said it starts in December. That's not always strictly accurate because it depends where Christmas, what day of the week Christmas falls on, because you can't Advent for the four Sundays leading up. So sometimes it comes in right at the end of November. Um, And it's a time of uh, preparation for celebrating the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, It tends to be a more, a sort of quieter time with themes of light in darkness and hope and and looking forwards. And Advent then why why write books for Advent or about Advent? What what's the purpose of of an Advent book? Uh, well people like to take the time um to it's it's a really special time of year because in, in the um in the church's year, it's actually the beginning of the year. Advent is the very beginning. So rather than the year starting in January, New Year begins on the first day of Advent. Um, and it's a time to have some contemplation, um, to put some time aside, to do some particular learning or some particular praying um, as we think about Jesus coming into the world Uh, both the first time that he came into the world and also Advent is often about looking forward to Jesus coming again. So it's about preparing your life and making sure that you're you're ready for Jesus to appear. Great. Thanks. And you've written two books for Advent, Um, one called They Sang and the other called Image of the Invisible. So let us let's start off by talking about They Sang. Um, what is They Sang all about? They Sang is a book for groups to use together. So if you have a a small group meeting or a Bible study, or you have a few friends who want to to get into something together, that book is ideal for that. Um, And it's about the four songs that appear in the Gospel of Luke when he tells the Christmas story. So the Christmas story in Luke takes up the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Um, And there are four songs. There's moments where the characters break out into song. It's like a musical. Um, Mm -hmm. So this book studies those four songs particularly um, and looks at how they echo back um, to the Old Testament, to the prophecies that um, show Jesus is going to come, the Messiah is coming. 
um, and they also look forward into the ministry of Jesus. So they're a really fascinating sort of moment of time to look at during Advent as you're in that in-between time. Mm. And it's interesting that you picked up on the songs and and have this kind of I've got this wonderful mental picture of of this sort of this mu- this Christmas musical kind of taking place. Um, but what inspired you to to write they sang? Is it do you have a love of music yourself, or, or are you a songwriter, or or was it just you know because there were four of them, it fitted neatly in the four kind of the cycle of Advent. <laughs> Well, that helps. That does help. (laughs) Now, I am musical myself. I play the cello, I play the ukulele, and I sing in the choir. And uh, so music is obviously a a big part of the season anyway. Um, But I'm also a poet. And the thing about the songs in the Gospel of Luke is that they're also poetry. Um, So that poetry has this, it distills important things into a small space, which makes it, when it appears in scripture, particularly good to study because you have something that's bite-sized but full of importance and meaning. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's true. And seeing as we're on the musical theme, and this is around Christmas time, I know different people have different views on Christmas music and Christmas carols and should they be sung before Christmas Day or should they be reserved for Christmas Day only? Or is Christmas Day just the start of singing Christmas carols and you sing them sort of into the new year? What, where do you stand on the Christmas carol debate? Uh, I'm a stickler and you're going to be sorry you've asked me this question. <laughs> uh, no, I'm a real believer in the season of Advent. I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about that. I, I don't like that Christmas begins um, sometimes even before Advent begins in the secular world. Um, I love the season of preparation. I love the feeling of waiting. I don't like not having anything left to wait for by the time we get to Christmas. And I also love the season of Christmas, which begins on Christmas Day and lasts for 12 days. So another thing that I really can't stand is when all the Christmas trees and decorations are down by the end of Boxing Day and everybody is, you know, returning to life as and normal. They, no, they, that's and yet not the how Christmas it goes. decorations went up in sort of mid-October and uh, drags exactly. on and on. Exactly. Yeah, so in our house, the tree goes up as close to Christmas Eve as humanly possible, and we live in a vicarage. Otherwise, if I had my way, it would be up on Christmas Eve, but we tend to be too busy on that day, so it's a couple of days before. Uh, and and I, I like to treat Christmas carols the same way. I mean, I sing in the choir, so that's difficult, because of course the week before you have a carol service, and of course the month before you've been rehearsing the music, but I try not to listen to it too hard, <laughs> because I love actually having the season, and I love having the season of Epiphany afterwards. I just I like to do things in the right order. And there are beautiful Advent carols as well. Why miss out on a month of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and of the Father's Heart Begotten uh, in order to sing Christmas carols too soon? Mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Let's turn to your other Advent book then, Image of the Invisible. Um, How is that different to They Sang? What's that about and who is that written for? That one is a devotional, so it's for individual use, although I did put questions and some group work at the end of it, so it could be used with groups as well. But, um, but it's, it's much more designed for the individual and it's much more in depth. Uh, it collects 
metaphors for God through scripture. Um, and I've organized them into chapters, uh, yes, looking at different areas, different ways that scripture describes God. Because there are some very popular metaphors that we use in church, that we have in our worship songs and that we use all the time. Uh, for example, we love Psalm 23, don't we? So God is my shepherd. Um, we know to talk about Jesus as king. But in the Bible, there are so many more ways of talking about God. Um, and every one of them is a different facet, a different way of looking at this huge thing that we call God, who is indescribable. Um, but each new little metaphor gives us another clue about not just the character of God, but about how we relate to God and where we place ourselves in that image. And these metaphors are collected from all over scripture rather than sort of limited to just sort of the Christmas story as such. Yes, that's that's exactly right. Um, all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, including some of the things that Jesus said about himself um, and many of the ways that people in, in the Old Testament were looking forward to the Messiah. Mm. Mm. That sounds really interesting. So you've got Image of the Invisible, which is an Advent devotional, which which is perfect for this time of year. But you, you love celebrating the, the, the different seasons, as you've said. And I believe you have a new book just about to come out that's for Lent, which is um, a period of time, um, 40 days leading up to Easter, which is kind of a follow-on. Is it a prequel or a sequel or a, a, a follow-on or a, a companion guide to Image of the Invisible? It's called Images of Grace. What can you tell us about that? That's right. So I've carried on with the metaphorical theme. And in Images of Grace, uh, which is for Lent, so we are looking forward to Easter and to the events of Good Friday, uh, the cross and the grave and the resurrection. Um, and the atonement, the, the, the moment that Christians believe on the cross when uh, sin and death was dealt with and life was somehow given to us. And we, we talk about these things um, using abstract terms, which are very wrapped up in an ancient Christian language. We use words like sin and repentance and redemption. Um, those words are abstracts. It's really difficult to explain to even to people in the church, let alone to people outside of it, what they mean. Um, and yet in scripture, there are metaphors, there are images that deal with each of those words. So in images of grace, uh, those are the metaphors I'm looking at. I'm going through um, the different pictures that are used when the Bible talks about sin, what that means, what that looks like, how God deals with sin. Um, I saw a wonderful phrase on Twitter, which I wish was mine, but it isn't, the metaphysics of sin. So uh, it is all about what it is, how it can be dealt with, how it can't be dealt with, um, and how Jesus deals with it on the cross. Mm, really interesting. So there you go. If you're listening to this and you fancy getting an Advent devotional, Images of the Invisible or They Sang would be great. And you could even treat yourself to a, a Christmas present and get ready for Lent with Images of Grace, which is coming out really soon, I believe. Yes, should be around the same time as this podcast. I well, think. there you go. Perfect timing. Excellent. Um, let us talk about some of your other books as well, because, well, I'm so pleased to be interviewing you, Amy, because you, you've written so much stuff. 
<laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> we we can talk about all sorts of different things. Um, so not only do you write um, devotionals and sort of Bible study group material, you also write fiction books for children. And That's right. I know that you've just um, published um, a couple of new ones. Um, Louisa Freya the Dragon Slayer and Queen Esther Nation Saver, which are both part of your Adventuring Girls series. Um, what are they, What are they about? Yeah, uh, there are collections of stories, each of them. Louisa Freya Dragon Slayer is a collection of traditional tales and Queen Esther Nation Saver is a collection of Bible stories. And the thing that they all have in common is that they um, feature girls as the heroines. Uh, so, yes, the, Louisa Freya was my answer to the Rebel Girls books. Um, this was many years ago. Hmm. I heard an interview with the authors of those books, and they were saying that fairy tales are too old-fashioned to tell our girls now, that they are misogynistic and, um, you know, they come from the patriarchy and we need to scrap them because they're full of princesses who need rescuing by men and we don't want that. Uh, and so they produced the Rebel Girls books, which are, as you may know, um, all about real women in real life and the, the amazing things that they've done. Um, and I heard that interview and I thought, well, the sentiment is absolutely correct that girls need good stories of strong girls. Um, their conclusion is absolutely wrong. They're just reading the wrong fairy tales. <laughs> there are plenty of traditional tales with strong girls. And, you know, why should boys get the fantasy and the dragons and girls have to read history? That doesn't seem right to me. So um, it was from that moment that I started to collect my favorite traditional tales from all over the world. Uh, that feature really strong girls. And that's how the Adventure in Girls series was born. Mm. Oh, really interesting. And I must admit, I do follow you on Facebook. So I see some of the photos and things of, of what's going on. Um, and I, 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 I saw some great photos um, with you doing a recent book launch for some of these books um, in Waterstones. Was it Bury St. Edmunds or somewhere like that? Yes, it was. And the Barry St. Edmunds in the Butter Market and Waterstones. <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> uh, it was great fun. It was, that's just a thing that's been on my author bucket list for a while, <laughs> to do a signing in Waterstones and even to have a, a book on the shelves in Waterstones, which as a, a writer of Christian literature is not, you know, that's a much less likely thing to happen for them to stock um, a book. Uh, but that it was so much fun. Um, Plenty of people came. They moved me from the, the children's area downstairs to an area upstairs because we needed a bigger place, good, good, good. which was gratifying. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I'm a storyteller, so I perform stories. And many of the stories in these books I've been performing uh, for years before I wrote them down, um, which is interesting for me to even have a book with them written down because um, oral storytelling is a creature of its of itself. You know, it's... it's um, kind of the point that the story changes and flows a bit as you tell it and that you adapt it to your audience and so on and, and writing it down is, is quite a different thing. So uh, I told and read the stories alternately, um, which was really good fun. So we did one, you know, we did an interactive one, everyone joining in and, uh, you know, adding bits in and so on. And then I read one from the book and then another interactive one. And uh, that worked really, really well because I think it gave people the idea of where these stories are born and how you can use them and carrying on telling them yourself, um, but also, you know, how they, how they appear in a book. Well, that sounds 
Amazing. Um, I want to come back and touch on your storytelling um, background um, in just a moment, but we are going to take a very short break and we'll be back in just a moment. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McClary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Well, I'm back with um, the author, Amy Scott Robinson, and we've been talking about her Advent books. They sang an image of the invisible, and we're just in the middle of talking about um, children's books that she writes um, in her Adventuring Girls series. So just before the break, Amy, um, you were talking about being a storyteller. And I also know that you're a ventriloquist as well, which is very fascinating. Um, because you have this this ability, these skills to, to stand up in front of an audience and to tell a story, um, do these skills translate well into being an author, into actually writing these stories or is it something you you save and you think well i'll, I'll, I'll write them because i do it in a very different way and then when it comes to telling them well then i'll use my storytelling skills to tell them how, how does it work yeah that's a really interesting question because they the two things do bump up against each other uh sometimes in helpful ways and sometimes not so my first attempt at writing children's fiction um was well it was a big old failure in the end that that book certainly hasn't been published but at one point I did go to um a, a, an editor for help with the story uh who said there's too much storytelling in this book um you're writing it the way you you would tell it and uh you know you need you need to get inside the character's head much more and there's you know the whole showing not telling thing um so at that point clearly that it was tripping me up uh, in the Adventuring Girls books, I'm writing them as traditional tales. You're allowed to tell and not show <laughs> when that's what you're doing. <laughs> um, in my Gladstone the Gargoyle books, um, which are just fiction for children, I've had to step back from that and try to find a, a different way of telling a story that's more suitable for print. On the other hand, when I'm writing my books for grown-ups, sometimes it really helps to go back into the, the telling. Um, I, have, I have two wonderful friends and we're a, we're a writing trio and we meet um, on Zoom every week and we talk through what we're doing and I, they're invaluable. I couldn't do without them. Um, their names are Tanya and Amy. There are two Amys in the group. Uh, and I, it was Tanya who said to me, I was getting all up in my head about one of these uh, devotionals that I was writing. And there's, there was just so much theology and so much richness. And I was trying to say, you know, and I need to say this and I need to say this and I mustn't let people think this. And Tanya said to me, look, just tell me as if I'm seven what you want to say. Talk to me as if you're doing your storytelling. So I did. And then she said, well, that's what you need to say. And she's right. Um, you know, you can't be overcomplicating things so sometimes it does help just to go back to that and think well how would I say it because actually that's that's my roots that's where I'm coming from mm -hmm. so because you write all different types of books do you have a different process for fiction as to your bible study what, what does that look like what's your writing process like mm. 
Yes, I think it is a different process. Um, I can be much more analytical and straightforward about writing devotionals. Uh, you know, I, I plan it all out very carefully first, and I know which bit I'm doing today and how many I'm aiming to get written this week. And I sit down at my desk and I have my plan um, and I get started and I do it. And most of the time that's, you know, that, that comes. Um, with the fiction, it's a much more imaginative process. I do plan. I'm definitely a planner. I don't, <laughs> I don't like to start writing anything without knowing what's going to happen at the end, which I know is not the way that some people write, but I find that I would just get stuck in the middle. I would, I would be directionless. Um, and again, I'm used to telling stories that exist already. I'm used to retelling stories. So when I'm telling my own stories, I do like to have that framework first. But it's much looser. And with the Gladstone books, the characters kept on stepping in and just doing other things. <laughs> and I would have to say, oh, all right, we're going to do that, are we? I'll put an extra chapter in here then. And uh, I, I really grew to love the characters and have that kind of, I know they're fictional, but that kind of relationship with them yeah, where I could yeah. say, so how would you react in this situation? And sometimes it wasn't at all what I'd planned for them. And I had to go with that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really insightful. Thank you. Yes, interviewing different authors, it's, it's different every time, the, the answer to that question. It's, it's fascinating. One thing we like to do here on the Christian Book Blurb is to find out who our authors are. So we, we love reading all the books that our authors write. Um, but it's also wonderful to sort of peel off the dust jacket and have a little look. Who is Amy Scott Robinson? Um, do you have another job? Or is writing your life? Um, what do you do for fun? Do you like pizza? <laughs> Which of those should I answer first? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I do like pizza. Pizza I'm one with of the pineapple or without pineapple? Mm, yep. I, I am. Hmm. The thing is, I've become a vegetarian. And what are you going to put with pineapple if it's not ham? That's my problem ah, at the I moment. See. Yep. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like a bit of pineapple. Um, I do have other jobs. They're all writing adjacent. Um, okay. I, I volunteer for the Association of Christian Writers as their editor. So I edit their magazine. That's one thing that I do. Um, I am the commissioning editor for Children's and Youth at Kevin Mayhew. Um, so that's, you know. A job, job. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying a job, job. I've been freelance for so long that that one almost came as a surprise. I was like, oh, I'm actually, you know, <laughs> part of a team. Yeah. That hasn't happened for a long time. Um, and I um, currently, though not for much longer because we're moving, I'm the, the uh, benefice children's worker at our churches here because I'm married to the rector. Um, and that was a, that was a, a volunteer voluntary job but one that I did training for and um yeah got commissioned by the bishop to do so mm. I suppose that along with the writing means four different jobs at the moment wow <laughs> but yeah. there's a lot of overlap very there. busy yeah <laughs> um and so what what do you do for fun have you got hobbies uh, do you like going for long walks or do you have time to go for long walks Ah, uh, what do I do for fun? I, I've already mentioned playing the cello, so I, whenever I can, I like to do that. But it's one of those things that comes and goes. You need to, you know, it's best with other people. I like to know, I like to have a friendly, tame piano player or someone <laughs> that I can play with. Um, so there's that, there's music, there's um, 
uh, sewing. I'm just mm. getting into sewing and really enjoying that. Um, is that a result of the, the British Sewing Bee TV program or, or is it just happen sort of naturally on its own? Maybe a little bit. No, I think it was, was it over lockdown? I started watching um, just various YouTubers that make their own clothes mm. and thought, oh, this is, this is, this is good. My mother um, was a dressmaker, actually, is, is a dressmaker. Um, she used to teach textiles and she could never quite understand how she had brought up two daughters who didn't sew at all. <laughs> so I'm coming to it late, but I feel it's, it's sort of, it's there. <laughs> really good. Oh, and we've already mentioned your book. We're coming back to books now um, that you've got a new book coming out or imminently um, your Lent devotional called Images of Grace. Now, I always like to ask this with the people who I'm interviewing. Is there a next thing? Is there another project? I know this book's just about to come out, but being an author myself, I know that means you kind of finished writing it some time ago, and it's now just sort of the publication process is coming to an end, but you actually finished writing it, you know, a while back. Um, is there anything you're working on currently? And can we get a sneak peek? Well, you're talking to me in the middle of quite a fallow period because we are about to move house and I tried to clear my desk for the end of this year so that that could happen and we could settle into the new place, and uh, <laughs> which is hard with four jobs. Um, so there's, there's nothing imminent, but I hope that there will soon be um, plans for more adventuring girls. Mm -hmm. Certainly want to keep going with that series. Um, and there may be um, an interesting little plan for Gladstone. Um, I've been recording the audiobooks for Gladstone, the Gargoyle, so mm. do keep an eye out for those. Mm. Um, but there may also be a little, a little Gladstone-related surprise, and I'm not sure I can say oh, any more. No, that's, that's nice and tantalizing. <laughs> Very good. A Gladstone surprise. That sounds good. All right. Fantastic. Um, and how can people find out about you, about your books? Have you got a website? Are you on social media? All of that. Um, I do have a website. It's amyscottrobinson.com. And if you put a forward slash books after that, then you get links to everything, all of my books. Um, and I am on social media. I'm Amy and me on Twitter. And I'm Amy Scott Robinson on Instagram and I think pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> Mm, great. So if you want to get hold of Amy or, or follow her Facebook like I do or, or connect with her on Instagram or indeed buy some of Amy's fantastic books, whether it's for yourself um, as you're getting ready for Advent or indeed for Lent with the new one coming out or you're looking for something to um, as a Christmas present. Those adventuring girls books and the Gladstone, the Gargoyle sound really great. So check out Amy's books. I know they're available all over the place. Um, but if you want sort of specific direction to them, go to Amy's website um, and you can find them all on there with links pointing you in all the various directions you need to go in to grab those. We will be putting a link to Amy's website in our show notes at the bottom of this podcast as well so that makes it super easy you just need to click on there and it'll take you to where you want to go um, so that just leaves me to say thank you amy thank you so much for um, giving up some time today to chat with us not at all it's been really good fun thank you for having me 
And thank you so much to you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget, The Christian Book Blurb comes out twice a month. So we'll be back really soon with another fantastic Christian author telling us all about their books, their life, and their faith. So thank you so much for joining us. And we do hope to have the pleasure of your company again really soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.